Welcome to episode number 74 of the Marine Layer podcast. Jeff Passan wrote some things about the Mariners and Shohei Otani that people have been reacting to, and I don't think Lau and I like what we read very much, so we'll react to that. Mariners have some housekeeping things. Mike Ford was DFA'd, and the Mariners also have a new hitting coach that we'll have to talk about. We'll take a look around baseball with our MLB wraparound, and we'll introduce a new segment at the end, Ruthless Replies. We'll get into a little bit more detail about that when we get there. And this show is brought to you by... Pagotcha's Pub 85. Our friends over at Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland, just east of 85th, just east of 405 on 85th Street with some good parking. It has some great food options, great drink options, and it's your go-to place to watch any sports you, you want to watch. Again, baseball might be over, but that doesn't mean sports are over. The fall season, you can get just about anything you could ask for. You want hockey, you want basketball, you want football, college basketball, college football. It's all going on. People gather there on the weekends all the time in masses to go watch Seahawks games and Huskies games. So go head over there. Get some great pizza, some great food off the food menu, some great drinks with a full drink menu. And if you head over during the weekdays, well, they've got some happy hour specials. Those are Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. What can you get during those happy hours? It includes $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 House Wines. That's Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Go check it out. And before we start the show, your reminder to download our episodes and leave us a five-star review on the audio side of our of our podcast. That's wherever you get your podcasts on the audio side. Those reviews and downloads, they do really help us out a bunch. So just take a few extra seconds to do it. It does really mean a lot to us. And you can watch on YouTube, full video side of the podcast over there. Go like, comment, subscribe, and then follow us on social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. YouTube Shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast recording here on Thursday, November 16th, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network. I'm going to be honest, Lyle. I could not get to this seat and in front of this microphone fast enough when I saw the blockbuster trade news out of the American League West this week, dare I say, the division is back. Oh, it's not just the division is back. Abe Toro is back. Your guy. And could you imagine, like, he's going to go play for the worst franchise in baseball. He's going to play in a crummy stadium. And he's probably going to have an OPS of, what, 950 at least against the Mariners next year? At least? I mean, he is going to destroy Mariners pitching. I Like, I already know it. Like, this is what karma is going to come to me. I've already had some karma hit me today. But, man, once the season rolls around, all my trash talking about Abe Toro, all that of me labeling him as my least favorite player ever in baseball, ever, and he's coming back to haunt me. He's going to come back and make my 2024 season an absolute nightmare. I just want you to know that when the time comes next year that he just destroys the Mariners or beats them in some clutch situation, I'm blaming you. I'm going to sit on this podcast Good. and blame you. You should blame me. And I hope all of our listeners not only blame you as well, but let you hear about it on social media. Like, I hope if Abe Toro has some game-winning double or something against the Mariners at some point, that you just get a ton of ats in your Twitter from all these Mariners people that being 
being like, TJ, you did this, dude. You jinxed Abe Toro and this fan base. I deserve all the flack. I mean, you can't even write this script. Like, how is he back in the division? <laughs> this is this Why is the, can't this dude just go away? This is the third AL West team he's been with. So what, are the Rangers next? Actually, I think that would be a good thing. I think I recommend Chris Young should sign him, start him at second base, and then I don't think you need that other second baseman, so you can just trade him uh, in division. Yeah, that that guy's not very good, honestly. I don't know who's a team that maybe would have some room to fill some second base stuff. Oh, that team in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, maybe that. What's his name again? Um, Mark? Seaman? Mark? Marcus. Oh, oh, yeah, Semyon. Yeah, the Mariners can take him off the Rangers' hands. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're doing them a favor. We're doing them a favor by taking Semyon away. So, yeah, let's do that. Abe Toro can go to the Rangers, and we'll take Marcus Semyon off their hands. Yeah, I cannot believe he's back in the AL West. Like, we didn't really have to hear about him much this year because he didn't play very many games in the big leagues, but here he is, front and center. And he wasn't a member of the Mariners while we did this podcast. Like, at all. But, like, now he's back haunting us. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to picture us doing this podcast in the 2022 season. And, you know, the Mariners are headed to a playoff spot, and I still manage to find time out of my day to bitch and complain that I have to watch Abraham Toro every <laughs> single day. Like, Scott, can somebody explain to me why you have a role for a designated hitter? And in the designated hitter role, you put perhaps the worst hitter in your ma- between double between triple A and the major leagues, you put your worst hitter of the two in that spot. Somebody explain that to me. I'm going to say no, it again. You can't explain it. Oh, good. That's what I thought. Oh no, I can explain it. I'm going to say what you said oh. just a couple minutes ago. This is karma. This is, yeah, karma. is karma. He's coming back to the AL West, and he is going to have a redemption tour thanks to this podcast. Good. I, you know, I'm going to go watch an A's M's game next year. He's going to hit a fat dinger and I hope he points in the stands right at me. <laughs> and then as he's crossing home plate, two birds head my well, way. Right at you. Yeah, we'll have to get that all on video, hopefully. Yeah, so I guess I guess you have been hit with some karma today. Not real karma because there's the Abe Toro trade. And then again, you were calling a soccer game earlier where there was just like a little blip on the radar it's not like anything actually serious happened but yeah yeah i got confused with the rules a little bit uh this is a reminder to any aspiring broadcasters that listen to this podcast please double and triple check the rules before you call something that you haven't done before there we go that's that's tj's uh advice for the day i've never called soccer so i'm i've got nothing to say i think it's probably a really hard sport to call so i give credit to you for even doing it yeah you know you you learn a thing or two lyle you do uh you you wonder here let, let me just uh let me just say if somebody um somebody if you you go to overtime and you would think there's two separate overtime periods you would think Lyle that if the team scored in the first overtime period you didn't have to play the second one does that sound logical uh well that's not how it works in actual soccer like like professional soccer i know that but right as yeah. you can see how much professional soccer i watch i did not pick up on that and well you know, we learn a lesson. Like I said, karma. Karma has hit me today. Abe Toro jinxed me today. Abe Toro guided the game-tying goal in, so I had to go through overtime and, and and have that happen to me. He knew what was happening. He's behind all of this. 
And now you get to deal with them for the foreseeable future. Okay. Avetoro aside, the Mariners, current Mariners, do have a few pieces of news that we want to touch on. A couple of housekeeping things, and then there's one bigger segment we're going to spend some time on. First note on the housekeeping. So Mike Ford was DFA'd this week. They added Zach Deloach to the 40-man roster. They let Ford go. I thought this was a little bit of an odd move. I don't think it was the most shocking move in the world, but I do scratch my head just a little bit because as we currently sit, they do not really have a DH. It comes down to options and defense, I think. I think mm-hmm. that's that's literally what it is. Mike Ford had no options left. That's why he was DFA'd because he had to get DFA'd and they took him out the took him out the 40 man and again if you think about it and you think of how Jerry thinks even if he goes on the record this offseason, which he has saying, well, if we could have a guy who only hits in the DH role, we'd love that. You know Jerry loves his versatility. And I, I would say from a, a roster building perspective, it makes more sense for him to have someone who plays defense and has options on his 40-man roster opposed to someone who has neither of those two things. Mike Ford will probably get picked up. Again, it, like somebody might pay him a million dollars if they give him a big league contract or he'll go to triple a and he'll continue to mash or he could go overseas. If he wants to, he can get paid a decent amount of money to do that. I don't think Mike Ford is, a, I would say an invaluable piece of any team going forward. I think he can manage to find something, uh, but I, I just don't think I was thinking of Mike Ford as the DH for next season, which is why I can't say I'm too shocked about this move. And I, and Jerry obviously thinks just along those lines too, of, not thinking that Mike Ford is occupying next year's DH role. Yeah, and if no big league team signs him to a big league contract, the Mariners may very well bring him back, and he'd be in spring training, and then we can see where it goes from there. But you're probably right. The options, the lack of defensive value, I'm sure, played a factor into this. And I will give Zach Deloach some credit. First off, I'm sure this is not a guy they want to give up on after just drafting him in the second round three years ago. And I will give him credit. He had a good year in Tacoma. This is a guy who... Hit 23 bombs. He had an 868 OPS, 111 WRC plus. Again, it's hard to really get those WRC plus numbers up in the PCL because it's obviously a very hitter friendly league. So OPSs are always going to be higher. WRC pluses are going to be lower. But in the grand scheme of things, Deloach had a good year. He was really good during those summertime months. And check out this. I did want to throw this little nugget out there for the newest member of the 40 man roster. He actually hit lefties really well this year. Look at his splits. He had an 850 OPS against right-handers, 905 OPS against left-handers. So look, is the outfield filled with a lot of depth and a lot of guys that can play those spots? For sure. But I think they must still see something in Zach Deloach. Otherwise, they would not have put him on the 40-man. And again, look at those splits. Like This is a guy who's still hitting for power and is hitting both sides of the mound. He's hitting both lefties and righties. So maybe he can still be some type of role player here moving forward. Odds are he'll probably debut this year. If he stays on the 40 man throughout the year, he's probably making his major league debut. Like he spent a lot of time in the minors. I think he's going to get a shot somewhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Mariners don't really, they don't have a filled out outfield yet pretty much. I mean, they have an idea of what their outfield is, but I think you and I agree that the outfield is not complete. As of right now, there are two young guys in front of him, but I don't think that prevents Zach Deloach from getting his opportunity. No. And that being said, as we kind of close the book on this first little segment, they still need to go find a DH. I think everybody agrees on that. Like rolling out some combo of more Demo, Haggerty, 
Caballero, Taylor Trammell, Zach Deloach in some combination or another, that ain't going to fly. And I'm sure the Mariners know that. I'm sure it's not their plan. But I do just want to put that out there. That after what they tried to do the final few weeks of the year with that DH spot and all the platoons, I don't think that's flying again in 2024. That's not quite like me packing all my stuff into a box of Shohei signs with the Rangers, Rangers level of unacceptable, but not great. Maybe not too far off. Maybe not too far off, I would say. Not too far off. No, maybe not too far off. Okay, I will say in a little bit more of a positive light, speaking of hitting, they may have a new man in town to help some of these bats because they just hired a guy by the name of Brant Brown to the major league coaching staff. Now, he is expected to help in the hitter's role. He's not technically a hitting coach, or at least not yet, because it has not been reported what his exact role is going to be. But they did bring Brant Brown in. He is going to be on the big league staff. And here's how everything kind of shakes up on the coaching staff. So with Steven Vogt taking the Guardians job, the, the manager job for the Guardians, Tony Arnerick, who was part of the hitting team in the coach's role uh, over the last couple of years, He's going to be the new bullpen coach, which is the role that Steven Vogt filled last year. And then as a result, Brown's going to be on the staff, and they still want to add one more hitting coach to pair with Jarrett DeHart. At least for now, that's where everything stands. But the guy we're here to talk about is Brant Brown, who has a pretty good reputation over the years. He did really help out the Marlins in for their hitting uh, last season. I mean... A tweet out here highlighting just the year-to-year improvement they made from 2022 without him to 2023 with him. The average improved by 24 points. The on-base percentage jumped over 20 points, 24 points of on-base percentage. The slugging jumped up a massive amount, 363 to 405 as a team. The WRC Plus jumped nine points, and the strikeout rate dropped by 3%. I think, like, People want all of that for what happened to the Maris, especially that last number, that strikeout rate, which plummeted down from above average to like bad, actually, not above average, bad, 25% as bad as a team to pretty manageable and pretty good at around 21%. So people, I think people would take that. I mean, he has been in the Mariners system before. Uh, he's made, he, he spent five seasons in the Mariners organization starting in 2013 used to work with Scott Service with the Texas Rangers when they were both there. And I think maybe the most important thing that people will attach onto, I mean, he's spent some time working with some pretty famous hitting coaches like Robert Van Scoy, who J.D. Martinez credits for most of his success and his all-around balanced approach at the plate. And, and isn't he the guy that Jared was didn't confirm on the record but said he was working with in the offseason? I think that was him, right? I think you're right. I, I, I think, think it, was it is a, him. I think it was a couple of different people, but Van Scoy was said to have played a role in yeah, Kelnick's so. improvements. So mm-hmm. yeah, so he comes from kind of a branch of some really good hitting coaches. Not to mention, I think what people hear when they hear Brand Brown is not just a guy who has experience in the organization, not just a guy who's had a good track record of success. Because by the way, before the Marlins job, in between the Mariners and Marlins job, he spent five years with the Dodgers, two years as the assistant hitting coach, three years as the hitting coach, including in 2020 when they won the World Series. So this is a guy with a good track record. And not only is J.D. Martinez a guy that really likes Robert Van Scoy, and clearly Brand Brown is a guy who has had a lot of experience with Van Scoy, but who did Brand Brown just help mentor this year and help coach this year? That would be one Jorge Soler with the Marlins, who was a free agent. 
Solaire and JD are both DHs. What is a position the Mariners need? As we just referenced, designated hitter. I've seen a lot of that on Twitter this week. That people are like, well, would Jorge Solaire follow Brant Brown to Seattle? A lot of people are interested. I would be interested. We haven't spent a whole time a ton of we haven't spent a whole ton of time breaking down Solaire yet. Maybe we will in a future episode. But I have seen a lot of people saying that, and I think that'd be a pretty good fit. I think that'd be a pretty good idea. So I, I guess as it shakes out, I'm not sure how much immediate impact he would have on this roster. Because again, we don't know how big of a role he's going to have on the coaching staff. And as you said, he's not the primary hitting coach. So how much how much true impact would he, would he have on those players? Not totally sure. But he did make an impact with the Marlins this year. And the Mariners obviously saw something and saw enough to bring him on. And now we're going to have to see uh, what he's going to, uh, what he's going to achieve here in 2023. I think if he, uh, I think if he brings Jorge Solero along, I think that, uh, that, that he's done his part. I'll say he's done his part. If he, if he gets Jorge Soler. Oh, that's a start. And again, for a guy that's had a really good track record with being the head of a lot of good offenses, Hopefully the Mariners are the same because as we know, they need all the help they can get cutting down on strikeouts and improving the overall consistency at the plate in 2024 because it was, you know, kind of a topsy-turvy road in 23. So hopefully Brant Brown can help out with that. Final thing, or did you have one more thing you wanted to add? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Go ahead. Final thing, and we'll just spend maybe 30 to 60 seconds on this. This news came out here on Thursday. Jake Shiner just signed a contract to go play in Japan in the NPB, so he will no longer be with the Mariners organization, and he's going to go try to make a name for himself in Japan, which I understand. First off, the the competition in Japan is still very good. It's similar to, if not slightly better than AAA, and you make way more money over there than you do in minor league baseball. So credit to Jake Shiner. I'm sure he's trying to go over there, have a good year or two, and maybe come back to the Mariners. Sorry, not the Mariners. Maybe come back to the majors and try to find a role somewhere. Well, I know you gave this to me, but I'm going to actually give it back to you, Lyle. How do you feel? Hey, it's tough out here. You know (laughs) I wanted to see Jake Shiner in the big leagues last year. I mean, come on. There were were points where I was really scratching my head at why didn't he ever get a shot? He absolutely could have DH'd. He absolutely could have DH'd. Yes. Like, it worked out with Mike Ford for the most part, which is great. And and people loved having Mike Ford around, but I do think Jake Shiner at some point could have gotten a chance. That's all I'll say. I, I think he'll have fun, and he'll be significantly richer being in Japan. So awesome for Jake Shiner. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna kill it over there. It's a hitter's environment too, so I think he'll I think he'll be okay. Yeah the the average salary over in Japan is around. It can be anywhere from. $150,000 to $500,000, which is way more than you're getting in AAA. So I totally understand. With significantly better living conditions, too, because the American players get treated very, 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 very well over in Japan. So he's going to be a lot richer and have a lot of success over there in Japan. Okay, let's get to our main subject. Let's get to the bombshell. Not really a bombshell, actually, but it does regard Shohei Otani, and it relates to the Mariners. So Jeff Passan wrote an article this week. It's on ESPN+. Plus. If you have ESPN+, Plus, you can go read it. But just listing some of the things he's hearing out there on the free agent market. And there is a paragraph. There are a couple sentences that relate to the Mariners. So talking about Shohei Otani, here's the paragraph we tweeted out from his article. He says, ultimately about Otani, this will come down to Otani's priorities. 
on where he's going to sign. If it's money, nobody has more than the New York Mets owner, Stephen Cohen. If it's residence in Japan, no relationship between team and player matches that of the Seattle Mariners and Ichiro Suzuki. Although, he puts in parentheses, though the notion that the Mariners will pay top dollar for Otani simply is not real at the moment. That is an issue, Lyle. Okay, I'm going to try and stay calm for as long as I possibly can on this segment. We can time me for how long I I stay tame. I'm going to preface this by saying we know that the Mariners do not leak sources out there. They're very good about keeping information close to the vest and in-house. So what reporters really, really know about what the Mariners' plans are for Otani is probably limited. Especially because there was a report that came out today here on Thursday saying there were some reports about if Otani takes a meeting with a team and it gets leaked out there by the team that that happened, he will hold that against them, he, against that team. He does not want information about certain meetings he's taking with certain teams to get out there in the public. That is something the Mariners did not do well last time. Everybody knew it happened. This time they're keeping information much more in-house about it. They won't talk about it, which, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. So I'm going to start with that. I'm going to start by saying information's probably being kept in-house. Mariners don't want things to get out there. It, how much do reporters really know? We don't know. Although Passan is very plugged in. That's the other part of this. But if this is true, yeah, I'm going to turn this back to you because, I, again, I'm, I'm going to try to stay tame for as long as I can about this. That is a real, real problem if this is true. You understand going into this offseason what it's going to cost to land Shohei Otani. Like, you can't, you can't preface it that you want to sign Shohei Otani and then be unwilling to do what it takes to sign Shohei Otani. It's very well that Shohei Otani might not want, uh, might not need the, the total dollar amount. He might not need the biggest amount. That's fine. What might wor- worry me is. Not only would they not be willing to pay top dollar, where if they were to offer a 12-year contract, it would not be as much as Steve Cohen and the Mets, or as much as the Texas Rangers, or as much as the LA Dodgers. I'm concerned that also means they're not offering him the years he wants. Like, I could not think, going into this offseason, that you could get away with trying to offer Shohei like a seven- or eight-year contract. I just don't understand how that would make sense when you realize you have a once- in a generation opportunity to sign a player of this caliber. And he lays out these benchmarks of what he wants and you wouldn't meet them because what he, what pass and wrote makes it sound like they're unwilling to meet some benchmarks that he has, which is an issue. If you want to sign him, meet the fucking benchmarks, dude. That's why free agents are free agents. So they can negotiate. And when you don't meet their negotiations, then they won't sign there. And you want to wonder why nobody signs in Seattle. Okay, let's just rip the Band-Aid off because you're getting into it. If they're seriously not going to offer him top dollar, that's just straight up unacceptable. Because here's what the Mariners do not have that other teams have. The Mariners do not have, oh, I don't know, a rich history of success, playoff appearances, World Series rings, or an A-plus reputation. And oh, by the way, 
That is all on top of the fact that just less than two months ago, you had players from within the organization publicly rip ownership and the front office about lack of aggression and spending. And I guarantee you, Shohei heard those comments or somebody in his camp did. So somebody heard those. And between all of that combined, the Mariners are already at a disadvantage. Again, like I've said, I think they are in this thing. I think they're in the sweepstakes, but they are at a disadvantage for all of those reasons. So what are you selling Shohei on to come here? It better start with paying him top dollar. It has to start there because if you don't, you have gone from being an underdog in this thing to not even being at the table. Like, I really, really hope this is not true. And I hope this is just speculation and in-house the Mariners are planning something different. But if they're serious about this and they are not willing to go out and try and acquire the best business asset in all of baseball, if you want to look at it from an ownership perspective, a guy that will double you your profits from what you try and spend on him, then what are we doing here? What are we doing? You don't become a billionaire by being stupid. Let me lead off with that. You don't. John Stanton did not get as rich as he did by being stupid. You have to make calculated decisions with your business, with your life, that affect all of these things to grow your profit and understand your business, understand your business model, and understand what works. What about looking at Shohei Otani and what he has brought into the Los Angeles Angels, which you could hire people to figure out how much money the Los Angeles Angels are making on Shohei Otani. Let me give you a hint. It's a fuck ton of money that they're making on Shohei Otani. You can have your people go in there and look and see how much money they're making. And I don't understand that coming back to you and you realizing and and still thinking that investing money in a product that will return to you significantly more wouldn't be worth it. I I don't get that. And you know what I also don't like, Lyle? I also don't like some of the notions that have been coming out in the last week. The fact that the names that we've heard from Shohei Otani, whether how legitimate they are or not, but they are whispers floating around and they've probably entered and left Shohei's camp in some capacity. How are the Mariners supposed to compete if if the names getting thrown around are the Texas Rangers and the Atlanta Braves? What do the Mariners have to offer against those teams? Like what? They won't outspend those teams. They don't have a win. Those two teams have won the World Series in the last three years. They can't offer that. They can't offer a promise to try and win because they haven't shown that either. Like, what are they? Like, you can't do anything if you're competing against that. So if that's what Shohei's looking at, like, you half-assing it doesn't, like, you have, like, literally would have no chance if that's the case. The number one way to take yourself out of these sweepstakes is to not pay him what he is asking to be paid. And again, you want to go listen to past podcast episodes from a year ago with how the Mariners approached the offseason? I was much more on board. I understood not overpaying for Turner. I understood not overpaying for Bogarts. I understood not overpaying for Correa and guys like that. Because, one, I thought that the process they took at the time was okay. They had had a good offense the year prior. and. I thought this whole time, my thought this whole time has been, they are saving for this. They are planning for this. They're gearing up for this. That the reason they weren't spending all those previous off seasons is they are allocating funds to give Shohei what he wants. And now we're hearing rumblings that, oh, they're not going to pay him top dollar. If you're not going to pay that guy top dollar, who are you going to pay top dollar to? The answer 
is nobody. If the, if Shohei chooses to go to the Dodgers, if the Mariners put their best foot forward, make a great sales pitch, do everything they can, and offer him the money he is looking for, but ultimately he says, I would rather stay in Southern California. I'd rather play with the Dodgers. This is my choice. I would be upset. I'd be devastated. But that is his choice. You cannot force him to play here. But if we hear that the Mariners are not willing to give it everything it takes, like then again, what are we doing? Like, what are what are we wasting our time on? Like, uh, yeah, like, man, John, John Stanton really does live rent free in my head, like all the time. I swear it's yeah. If the Mariners are unwilling to pay top dollar, then fans should also not pay top dollar. Like. That's it. Like that's that's how it rolls. And if that public information becomes public and it comes out, fans should absolutely not pay top dollar. If that's the case, uh, there was one other concerning thing I would say, kind of related to the off season, and and this was regarding Juan Soto. I mean, more from Jeff Passan. So he was talking about the Juan Soto trade and about the Padres payroll issues and saying, well, trading Juan Soto is the only logical solution to the Padres payroll issue. Passon says the Yankees, Cubs, and Mariners have what the Padres want in near MLB-ready starting pitching, but he said Chicago and Seattle would likely not trade those pitchers. So we can either think about this in a baseball sense, which is what Jerry thinks in, of not wanting to trade his young pitchers for one year of Juan Soto. But then you can flip it around and say, okay, well, we've also talked about at some point, it doesn't matter anymore because you need to win and you need to prove to your players that you care. And from that report, it sounds like the Mariners would not trade what is necessary for Juan Soto. Slight le- less level concern because it's not a consensus on this podcast whether or not the Mariners should trade for him. But with that report, um, doesn't sound like they would be willing to break the bank for a great hitter. I am less heartbroken about that than I would about Otani. Because again, it is a risk. What if Juan Soto was traded for a Hall, got to Seattle, they missed the playoffs again, and then obviously he's walking in free agency. He's walking in free agency no matter what. So what if it was a total disaster, and then due to that, you lose Brian Wu, who goes and pitches at the front of San Diego's rotation for the next six years. Like That would be kind of a tough pill to swallow. So again, like, would I like Juan Soto to play for the Mariners? Sure. Yeah. I also know it would only be one year because he's going to hit free agency and probably leave. And that costs prospects. Like trading for a guy like that costs a lot. The The reason this is such an issue with Shohei, you do not have to give up prospects. You do not have to sacrifice one single player on your team. It is money and money alone. And money that you have not spent in off-season after off-season now. And I again, I can't stress this enough. I figured this was the plan all along. But if they're not going to shell out what it takes to get Otani, then I don't know what in the world we're doing. I guess we'll have to see. Don't you love the off-season, Lyle? So I do. It, think about and, it this way. Think about it this way. Well, well we have, what, about two weeks until winter meetings. Uh, and Shohei should sign before then. From, I guess, everything that we heard, he's supposed to sign before then. So. uh Buckle up. Yeah. Look, I hope we, we like, 
I hope we come back on this podcast in a couple couple weeks and retract everything we just said. I hope in two weeks we're on here singing John Stanton's praises. If John Stanton signed Shohei Otani, I won't say a bad word about him for like a decade. Like, I, I swear. Like, if he goes and shells out the money and lands Otani, you won't hear me say his name in, in bad light ever again. But I I really hope this report is just a report and the Mariners are planning to do something different because to not even try to pay him top dollar, you're not giving yourselves a chance. Before we get to our MLB wrap round, let's hear a word from Simply Seattle. The holidays are approaching. You might be thinking, what am I supposed to get everybody? What am I supposed to get my sports loving Pacific Northwest family? What am I supposed to get them? Well, we have an answer for you. Go to Simply Seattle. Go check out their online store at simplyseattle.com. They have a wide variety of Seattle-themed, Seattle sports-themed, Pacific Northwest-themed gear, hoodies, shirts, shorts, accessories, all those sorts of things. Hats as well. I'm, I'm getting a hat from Simply Seattle. I can't wait for it. It's a throwback Seahawks hat. You can use our code MARINE15 at checkout for 15% off your order. The perfect gift for the holiday, guys. Go to simplyseattle.com. Use our code MARINE15. The best Mariner, Kraken, Sonics, Seahawks gear, and anything you can imagine in the Pacific Northwest, Simply Seattle has. Go check them out at simplyseattle.com and use our code MARINE15 at checkout. Let's get to our MLB wraparound. Okay, first on the wraparound, we have some awards. Well, the Cy Young Award. Let's start with that. Awarded uh, this week. Garrett Cole takes it for the American League. Blake Snell takes it for the National League. Huge shockers. Huge shockers. Sarcasm. I don't think any of the awards were shockers. The Cy Young certainly were not. Blake Snell got 28 out of 30 votes. Garrett Cole was unanimous. I think it was a long time coming for both of those guys. I think it was pretty obvious both of them were going to win, and they deserved it. Yeah, and I think I saw the stat. Blake Snell had the fewest, like, small, like he had the smallest average start ever for a Cy Young winner, which that's kind of a bonkers stat. But he, you can average under six innings pitch and still win a Cy Young award. That's that's pretty bonkers. But Blake Snell pulled it off, led the uh, led the National League in walks, and it worked out for him. Congrats. Hope you're a Mariner soon, Blake. And not much mystery with the MVP awards either. A couple of unanimous decisions. The first time ever there's been two unanimous MVPs in a season, Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna, two very deserving candidates. I did get a laugh out of Jeff Passan going and replying to his tweet from a month or two ago where he compared Mookie stats to Ronald Acuna stats. And he said, I don't think Acuna is a runaway for the MVP award anymore. And Passan then replied to it tonight saying, no, Acuna ran away with it, you dumbass. Like, replying to himself saying that. <laughs> so, Passon's always fun in that way. Like, like he's, he's good-hearted about a lot of that stuff, and I got a laugh out of that tweet. But yes, in terms of the actual award winners, I don't think anybody's shocked. I think it didn't matter at all that Shohei missed the last month or so of the season. He had locked it up already, and Acuna went 40-70. So, that's what happens when you do that. You win an MVP. Not impressive, according to the Cubs, though. No, it's not. It's not impressive at all. And he shouldn't be celebrating it. Right. No, no. He, sh- he should have just put his head down. Um, so not, not much drama in the award. So just uh, not much to talk about there, but something to note. 
Yeah, and there were two other awards to give out. So Gunnar Henderson ran away with the AL Rookie of the Year. Corbin Carroll, shocker, ran away with NL Rookie of the Year. And then Brandon Hyde won AL Manager of the Year. Skip Schumacher, in what was actually a pretty close race, won NL Manager of the Year. Schumacher, of all the races, was the closest. But those were the four big awards. I don't think anybody's shocked with any of the winners. And I will say for the Mariners' sake, you had Luis Castillo finish fifth in Cy Young voting. George Kirby finished eighth. And then with the MVP voting, you had three guys in the top 20. You had Julio finish fourth, you had JP finish 17th, and you had Cal Raleigh finish 18th. So look, the Mariners did not have their best offensive season, but you've got three guys that finished top 20 in MVP voting. You know what I think? They should probably add to that. Hey, shout out to Cal Raleigh getting on the MVP ballot. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't a Mariners reporter that gave him the vote. So he got an eighth place vote, but it was from somebody with the Twins. So shout out Cal Raleigh. You're getting noticed around the league when you put up nearly a five-win season. That's what happens. That's pretty bonkers. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If I had a vote, like I wouldn't have given Cal Raleigh an eighth place MVP vote. Would you? I don't know. We were talking about this earlier. After the first five, it's really hard to dissect all of them. It's like this guy should finish sixth. This guy should absolutely finish seventh. This guy, no doubt, should finish eighth. I think it can vary. I don't know. Cal Raleigh put up nearly five wins. He hit 30 bombs, which led all catchers. I'm not saying he's the first person I think of to give an eighth place vote. I don't think it's crazy. Like, he had a really good year. But shout out to him. Hopefully, there's something in his contract or he gets gets an accelerator or something. That'll be good. Oh, well, he can use that in arbitration, actually, now. Yeah. That's good. Hey, look. Look at that MVP vote. Yeah. That works out for him. So speaking of the Cubs, they did make some news in the past week. Uh, they essentially told David Ross to fuck off. Like they t- said at the end of the season that David Ross was their manager for 2024. And then they went out and they hired Craig Council behind his back and made him the highest paid manager in baseball. Th- like this is a, a very weird scenario where like they're going to double pay a manager that they had a manager who actually had a pretty successful season this year and has had a decent track record as a skipper. And then they go behind his back and hire somebody in division, like an in-division rivals skipper, and they bring him in. I, that's such the weirdest thing that Craig Council is now going to manage the Cubs in 2024. I figured he was going to the Mets. I think just about everybody did, considering David Stearns went there. They needed a new manager. It seemed like the perfect fit. Didn't happen. Goes to the Cubs. I'm with you. I didn't think David Ross was going anywhere. I thought he was in perfect position to keep managing, but apparently not. Look, Craig Council is regarded across the league as arguably the best manager in baseball. So maybe the Cubs saw this as an opportunity to upgrade at that position. And maybe they figured they could get better in some of the game managing areas. And maybe they figured he was just the man for the job. So... Here we are. Again, you don't really see this often. You don't often see a manager that's in place and then all of a sudden, oh, you're just getting replaced. Like you'll see managers get fired and then they find a replacement. But for a manager to just get replaced like that on a whim, that is not normal. And managers, I, I don't think they're worth enough wins like personally to, let, to do that. Because if you get a great player, say, I don't know, the Mariners acquire... Okay, see the Mariners acquire Yandy Diaz, right? Like, Ty France is under contract, but Ty France is no longer playing first base. Like, sorry, like, Yandy Diaz is playing first. But managers, 
like Craig Council's regarded as one of the best managers in baseball, but like how much dif- how much different with the Cubs roster? Like how many more wins do they have with Craig Council opposed to David Ross? Like maybe one or two? They must figure he could really help sales pitch some free agents because this is a team that lost probably their best hitter in Cody Bellinger, who's currently a free agent. We'll see where he goes. Their second best arm in Marcus Stroman opted out of his contract, so he's currently a free agent. And there's talks that they're they're in the Otani sweepstakes. So maybe they figure Council can help with that. Maybe they think he is part of a sales pitch. Maybe he thinks they think he can be a difference maker in recruiting some of these guys. We'll see. But it is very odd that this happened the way it happened. If you were Cody Bellinger, like, what if you really liked David Ross and you saw that? Like, you wouldn't want to sign back, would you? I think whoever offers Cody Bellinger the money is where he's signing. Maybe that plays a little bit of a factor. But if you're Scott Boris and you said, hey, the the Cubs are going to offer you a huge contract. They're paying you the most of any team. But, oh, by the way, they have a new manager. That's where he's going. That's how Scott Boris rolls. That's true. That's true. Uh, okay, final bit of news in the MLB wraparound. Uh, it is official. The A's relocation has been approved by the 30 owners of Major League Baseball in a unanimous vote. And I'll say the most important thing to come out of this, Lyle, is that nobody was hurting in this situation more than John Fisher. A tough day for Oakland, as he put it. Yeah, that felt that felt really heartfelt, buddy. I'm sure you are sobbing at the idea. You do have to feel for A's fans. As two people who talk about having to watch the Sonics leave their home hometown, me probably a little bit more than you, but we did have to watch it happen, which was devastating as kids. The city of Oakland has lost three teams now in somewhat of a short time span. They've lost the A's. They've lost the Warriors. The Warriors are still in town, but they, they're not in Oakland anymore. And they lost the Raiders. Like, that's brutal. They have lost three professional teams in a pretty short time span. And to see it happen with the A's like this, like, obviously you feel for A's fans. You feel that they're not going to be in town anymore. You feel for them that they couldn't upgrade the stadium or chose not to upgrade the stadium. And yeah, now they're going to Vegas. Like, the the optics of this move, I just, I, I literally cannot get over it. Like, the Bay Area's market six, and again, billionaires are usually pretty smart in terms of business product. Taking a team in market six and putting them in like market, what's Vegas, like 30, 40? Something like that. Like, Something like that. How, do that. how does the money work? Like it's almost inviting on just to get a tax break on a stadium to, to move a team and, and significantly diminish what pot potential revenue you can get. Although he said, though, once he gets to Vegas, he's going to start spending money, which is uh, not true. He's not spending money. And they're also not going to have a fan base. No. Like, who's going to go to the games? Not Oakland A's fans. People from Oakland are not going to support the team in Vegas. People in Vegas probably won't be interested because, for the most part, people are either snowbirds in Vegas or they have teams previously and have moved there recently. That's just how it goes. So I don't know who's going to be a fan of the A's. And I'll tell you what, we thought the A's were bad the last two years. What are games going to look like this year in Oakland? Oh my God. I mean, nobody's going to sign there this winter. Literally nobody. Even 
even Trevor May signed with the A's last winter, right? Like he gave the A's a chance. They actually gave him a decent chunk of money. He decided he wanted to play there. There's not going to be any of that this year. I don't think anybody's going to sign in Oakland. There's going to be even less fans at the games. I mean, it's going to be a disaster. And the stadium got delayed another season. They are going to be without a home for three seasons, 2025, 2026, and 2027. In which they say their home games will sometimes be played at Oracle Park in San Francisco when the Giants aren't there, or they're going to be played at the AAA Park in Vegas. I feel like that's honestly the better solution. It's not like you're going to fill up that ballpark anyway in Vegas. So yeah, the the, the new ballpark's not going to be ready for a while. And here we are. It's it's a disaster of a situation. We've talked about it before. Now it's official. And yeah, you just feel for you just feel for Ace fans. It's it's a tough tough scene. Yeah, it is a tough scene. It, and it just so like if there was any ounce of care in of care in this situation, like the team is essentially going to be in no man's land for four seasons before they even start to like build up a rapport with the city of Vegas. Before they even start. So that's yeah it's just kind of stinky how are are they gonna be on tv in vegas while they play in oakland like what's the deal there i have no idea that's a great question i'm sure we'll find out more as time goes on do we think these guys are gonna have a single season above 500 in the next decade and and i'll start it from 2022 in that 10-year span are they gonna have a single season where they're over 500 over 500 maybe playoffs no top 15 payroll absolutely not they are a disaster. I know we talked about John Stanton a decent amount on this show, and he certainly gives some Mariners fans nightmares at times. But in the grand scheme of things, if you remember when we had Bobby Wagner on the podcast of Tipping Pitches, a guy who knows a lot about baseball ownership, he said, look, the Mariners ownership's probably somewhere in the middle because you could be John Fisher instead. Yeah, yeah, you could. You want to debut this last segment, Lyle? It was your idea. Yeah, let's do it. So we've got a new segment. We're going to try to do it about once a month, and we're calling it Ruthless Replies. I will say we got the idea from two friends of the podcast who do a show together. That'd be Brock Heward and Mike Salk. They do Brock and Salk every morning from Monday through Friday on Seattle Sports. They've both been on the podcast, and about once a week, they do a segment called Mean Tweets, where they read a lot of funny tweets that people have to say about either Brock or Sock. I feel like these days are much more about Brock when he's doing football broadcasts on Saturdays. But that got TJ and I thinking and saying, you know, we get some pretty hilarious replies sometimes on our social media accounts and on our YouTube channel of things that people have to say. So we're like, you know, we could read some of these and go through some of them and just react to them. Okay, you want me to go first? I do, but... I do want to say one thing before we start. Go ahead. We're not doing a speak your mind this week, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a shout out here. Really quick, you're going to be busy here on Friday morning, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Speaking of Brock and Salk, I'm going to be making my Brock and Salk debut at uh, 8.30 tomorrow. So when this comes out, if you're an early listener, you might actually get to uh, listen live. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. So shout out to that. I'll yeah. uh, I'll have to mention that we, uh, we uh, oh, you know, no, maybe I'll think about it. Like if we do a, a similar mean tweet segment, I'm shocked if we want to copy something, you know, may, maybe I'm glad we're not doing ranked. Maybe. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so to clarify, yeah. TJ's not going to be talking about the Mariners. As far as we know, maybe they'll bring it up with him at the end. We'll see. He'll be on there talking about Oregon State because Oregon State and Washington are playing this weekend. But if you're listening to this podcast, you should go listen to TJ on Seattle Sports here on Friday morning. And if you listen to the podcast here after, 
TJ's, are, TJ's already been on. Well, then you can go listen to the Brock and Talk podcast where you can listen whenever you want and he'll be on it there. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be yeah. it should be very exciting. So they do a great job and we're glad to glad to inspire us on this segment. Yeah. Okay, so if you're a YouTube listener, there's not going to be a music bed under this. We apologize. We don't want to get copyrighted. But if you're listening on the audio side, there will be music under this. So let's get it started. I gave TJ a couple to read. I'll start and I'll stay on theme with our show here today because on the topic of Shohei Otani, we have gotten some Shohei Otani replies. Believe me, when we have talked about Shohei on past shows and what are odds of getting him, I think TJ put it at about 10%. I put it somewhere between 25 and 30%. Again, I, I think the Mariners ultimately are in these sweepstakes, but we have some people that feel otherwise. We got a couple, we got one reply that says, absolute delusion, delusion from anyone in this fan base that thinks we're getting Otani. Give it a rest already. That's one on the Shohei topic. There's another that says, this is such wishful thinking. Otani wants to be on a World Series focused team that is not on the Mariners. They will not spend to create the roster capable of hitting the ball top to bottom of the lineup. Okay, that is that is somewhat similar to what we just talked about on the Shohei segment today. But beside the point, we got another that says, keep hopping the hopium. And then a final one that says, 0% chance on Otani. People are fired up about it. Wait, Lyle, if we're talking about percents, I know percents were a very big thing this offseason. And people had a little bit more to say about percents. In fact, every time I see 54%, it's an instant block. You are continuing the nonsensically stupid interpretation of something that was explained. Come on, Lyle. So for reference, we put out a social media post of there's a there's a popular TikTok trend. It's a cap cut thing that's going on right now. It's it's a scene from the diary of a wimpy kid movie. And we put that together, related it to the Mariners, and we had a 54% joke in there. And we've got somebody replying saying, this is unacceptable. It's an instant block. You don't get it. It's like, we didn't say it. We didn't put the quotes out there. We heard it. And we're we're laughing at it, just like everybody else seems to be over the last month. I'll tell you what. You think we're the only people out there putting out 54% jokes. You're not spending enough time on social media because I'll tell you what. If you ever, ever just go search 54% on Twitter... It, it never ends. It never, ever ends. I told you the 54% is never going away, Lyle. We need to do our part. We have to do our part in keeping the 54% alive. Man, we warn it a block. Like, I don't know how many people have us blocked on social media here in the first year or so of doing it. I don't think it's that many, but whew, somebody was not I'd happy I'd love to see that list. Somebody was not happy about that 54% joke. Man, I, I figured it was a Such harmless a shame. joke. Such a, such a harmless joke. And people, some people also, Lyle, don't appreciate our, lang- our, our language. Great enthusiasm in info, boys, except for the gratuitous dropping of F-bombs. Now I can't watch you with my grandson. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, so we, appreciate the gone, listen, though. <laughs> we've gone from getting blocked and losing followers to, I mean... I say losing followers. We essentially lost one. There's the one that we know of Two. now. Apparently, according to these ruthless replies, we're cutting off our audience. Okay. Listen, in all, in all seriousness, 
like we talked to some people before we started the podcast and and what people kind of talked to us about is look you don't want to make it like you don't want to sound like sailors right but it's not radio you're supposed to kind of let your personality out there and and people kind of told us look when when you casually throw in some words like that left and right it shows that you're loose you're not super worried you're not all tense you you just talk how you talk i i genuinely think like if if you were a listener and you were ever to talk to tj and i about the mariners away from this podcast and you talk to us i don't think it would sound that different than the way we sound now it's it's two people and the two of us that just like to talk to mariners we do it the two of us off camera all the time and I think that remains true. And I think we swear a decent amount in those conversations. Honestly, probably a lot more than we do on this podcast. So, oh, I definitely cuss way more in person than I do on this. I, I do tone it down quite a bit. I don't. I don't think. I don't think many parents would approve of this podcast if I uh, if I uh, <laughs> if I let it loose. So you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, we're we're actually thinking of you. We're thinking yeah, of. We are thinking of, of you. Think of it as a benefit. Exactly. Okay, I've got. Two quick ones, and then we've got, we've certainly got one to kind of cap it all off. So what's now our most viewed video on Instagram is this this funny social media trend I I did about Shohei Otani, and it's with a Chief Keef song in the background. And it was just supposed to be a joke, funny enough. I, I figured it would just get a couple laughs, maybe some people would like it, and somehow it just kind of caught wind because it just kept going and going and going. Although somebody wasn't happy about it, the 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 context of it relating to Shohei needs to be a mariner. And somebody replied saying, Take this corny shit down, bro, with a bunch of crying emojis. I guess I guess somebody was offended by it. It felt like the least offensive possible post you can make. In fact, I don't speak a word in it. But somebody was not happy about it. I did nothing but stand there and put my hands on my hips for about two seconds. And somebody did not like It's not cringy like to you, Lyle, but it's really... Someone is cringing watching you do that. Just think of how... Think of that. Think of that concept. Yeah, I ruined someone's day. You know who? You know who else's day we ruined? Somebody about a month ago when we had who else? But Mike Salk on the podcast, who, by the way, was a great guest and a lot of people really enjoyed. We certainly enjoyed him. But we did have a reply. Now this all ties in with mean tweets. Now it's intertwining. It says, "Turned it off when Salk came on. I won't be back." <laughs> <laughs> that does, makes does, that, does that not sound a lot like some of the mean tweets that Salk gets? Yeah, yes. That no, that sounds exactly like what they get. Like it's like I started listening until like Salk said this, and I'm like never listening to this show ever again. And it like <laughs> it's true to form. Not nothing about what Salk said. Nothing about disagreeing with this point. Just like no, I I will not listen to your podcast ever again. Like, well. Oh, well. <laughs> shot to the heart. Yeah. Shot to the heart. Okay. In the most perfect fashion, there is only one way we can end this because, again, about a month or so ago, what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about Hector Neris because, allegedly, he said some things to Julio after that strikeout in the final series that were just not okay. You saw Julio and Gino get very animated about it for good reason. So we talked about it. And we basically said, yeah, we stand by with what Julio and Gina were essentially saying was set. And who happens to find these clips, TJ? Nobody else than Houston Astros fans. People who have nothing else to do in their lives but spend time looking for people who are trashing their franchise 
and then they're going to waste their time screaming in reply. So we got a couple. We got a couple in in classic fashion that says salty tears are the tastiest. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Astros. Oh, stay salty. Yeah, your fan base sucks. There's one. We got another that says uh, emotional, soft, biased, and generalized take. Enjoy y'all's last game. That was number two. <laughs> and number three, to cap it all off, we got one that says, eh, Maybe next year, Marina Boys. He put Marina in parentheses, I should say, in all caps. Maybe next year, Marina Boys. If that's the worst you've ever heard in baseball, you haven't been watching baseball very long. FYI, the commentary of this video is high school news at best. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, Lyle, we don't watch enough ball. Not only do we not watch enough ball and not know ball, he's essentially, I guess, calling us girls because what are we? We're the marine layer pod, but he's calling us marina. If I'm picking up on that right, I guess he's calling us girls, which I I don't even know if that's supposed to be an insult. But if I'm picking up on that right in his mind, I guess he thinks it is. And he says that we are a bunch of high school newscasters trying to talk. So here we are. There's nothing Astros fans love more than to just bring the spin zone into everything where somehow somehow what Hector Nero said was our fault. (laughs) Again, like the 54% thing, we didn't say it. We didn't say it. Like, that was your player on your team that essentially said what he said, allegedly. And we're just sitting here talking about it. But Again, these people, I I swear, they must have some Google advanced search option turned on on all their computers and phones. I don't know how they find all this stuff so easily, but they find it. And they always seem to want to reply to anybody that has something to say. It is it is incredible. I will say at the conclusion of all of this, please keep it spicy in our replies because it is very, very, very entertaining. You got to stand out. Try and make it on this segment. You have to. I I thought that was a fun first segment. And again, we're not going to do this every single show, but about once a month or so, we're going to try to compile all of the funniest replies we've gotten either on our social channels or on our YouTube channel, and we're going to read them off. So maybe this will inspire some people to start making burner accounts and just leave us hilarious replies in, in goal to get on this segment. So I'm down. I'm I'm down too. Yeah. I don't know. I I had a bunch of fun with that. When we get these replies, we usually just laugh at them. And, and we knew when we started this, we said, look, if we eventually ever continue to kind of build this up, there are people that aren't going to like what we say. That's just true with anybody ever that's in content creation or podcasting. But if you can laugh about it, it makes it a whole lot easier to brush it off. And usually, truthfully, I'm, I'm saying this from the bottom of both of our hearts, we usually laugh about it because usually, honestly, the replies are pretty funny. So... I hope you got I hope you guys enjoyed that a little bit. We certainly enjoyed it and about a month from now we'll probably bring it back. But that'll just about wrap it up for this edition of the Marine Layer podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so on the audio side wherever you find your podcast. Go follow us, download our episodes, leave us a five-star review over there. Those reviews and downloads, they do help us out a bunch. So just take a few extra seconds to do that. And then head over to YouTube, give us a like too. Give us a like subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what your thoughts are. Again, you want to get on to Ruthless Replies, you can leave some comments and they may get read in about, in about a month. So go go over to YouTube, check out the video side of the podcast too, and then follow us on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. 
That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.